Welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. What is up? Welcome to episode 196. Thanks so much for listening. It means so much to me. If I brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit that subscribe button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Let me know what you want to hear more of. And please be sure to share the podcast. I'm truly grateful for your support. Thank you. You can learn all the skills in the world, math, business, writing, but the right mindset will always trump them all. It's the great unlock to all other skills. Success and happiness come down to one single component, and that's mindset. In order to achieve our goals in life, our mindset needs to match those aspirations. And this is exactly what I pack into my free weekly newsletter. As a free subscriber, you receive the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter once per week, where I break down step-by-step processes to master your mindset and practical growth tips. If you haven't subscribed, but you enjoy the content I drop on this podcast, then you're missing out. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe for free to the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter. Some exciting news. I just launched my new website, scottmlynch.com. I wanted to create one central hub where each of you could easily navigate my offerings, especially given that I now offer multiple ways to refine your mindset. We've put a lot of work into this, and I'm excited to finally share this with each of you. It's gone through a major visual overhaul, and we've added some exciting features. You'll be able to book a one-on-one session directly through the website, sign up for my free weekly newsletter, explore some motivational merch that I'll be launching, and the most exciting part that I've been quietly keeping under wraps, I'll be launching a course later this year, and you'll be able to access this through my website as well. More details to come. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, It's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Failure comes in many different forms. 
from getting fired, missing an opportunity, to financial hardship, when we feel like a failure, it can be challenging to see the learnings of that failure because we are so engulfed in emotions, emotions of disappointment, emotions of deflation. So how can we recover from failure? What are some tactics that allow us to rebound and sprint back to action? Number one, realize that you tried. Trying and failing is way more powerful than not attempting at all. Imagine going through life, not taking a stab at your dreams. That image should scare you much more than failure. The truth is, failure is a direct result of trying. That means that we decided to leap towards the thing we wanted, the thing that we believed would drive results. And when it kicked back, well, that is just life saying, hey, buddy, try a different path. Take another stab. Try again. Those signals are critical because without those signals, there would be no dream. There would be no clarity. There would be no excitement in life. The truth is, we need to celebrate the fact that we tried, not the fact that we failed. If we shift our focus to celebration, we can shift this dynamic around failure into failure meaning we took an attempt at something. Not many people do that in the first place. Most hesitate even taking that initial leap. The fact that we took that initial leap should register as I did something many failed to do. Take that first step. And the fact that I did that, well, that means I'm already head of 90% of the population. Celebrate that attempt. It's a lot more than most can say. Number two, understand that failure is inevitable. Failure is the side dish of success. We cannot enjoy success without eating failure. They go hand in hand. Understanding this allows us to come to an even larger realization. If we give our failures too much credit, we start to memorialize them as predictors of future inevitable failures. We start to bloat these failures into something much larger than they actually are. And when we do that, we start to push ourselves closer to fear. And as that wedge of fear becomes bigger, we get further and further away from action. That leaves us on an island. So what should we do instead? Consistently confirm that things happen for a reason. You don't need to believe in a larger power or religion or anything like that to make this happen. Simply realize that failure occurred. And because it has, we now have greater information. That acknowledgement is a game changer. And if we can continue to practice this, we shave the wedge of fear down more and more and more. Understanding that failure is inevitable and that it happens for a reason allows us 
to accept. And acceptance is the direct path to peace. It means that we no longer resist failure because we understand that it is part of the process. When this happens, we are able to build our craft. We are able to focus on the process rather than the outcome. When we become overly fixated on the outcome, we can be delusional about all the bumps along the way. That means that when we hit those speed bumps, they become an inconvenience and we inevitably lose patience. And that patience is the key ingredient to success. Number three, shift what you look at. When looking at failure, we tend to hold onto all the things we should have done, could have done, the would haves. The fact is, what is done is done. Holding on to these words, it's completely useless. Reliving these moments only creates a deeper gash, a deeper wound. By holding on to these moments, we throw our minds back into the gauntlet of pain that we just experienced. This not only causes more harm, but it also starts to blur our vision. It blurs all the good that comes with failure. Most importantly, it interrupts our ability to reflect and identify the key factors that led to the failure. This becomes a matter of utilizing our time and energy towards the components that drive us forward rather than the components that pull us backwards. Splitting the two apart is crucial. We need to learn to let shit go. Once reflection and accountability begins, failure has served its purpose. So holding on to it merely acts as a weight slowing us down. The key here is clearing headspace. By clearing this space, we are allowing ourselves to focus on that reflection and that accountability. If our minds are filled with clutter, it's going to be very challenging to see through to the lessons of failure. Number four, don't distort reality. Honesty isn't just the best practice policy externally in our lives. Honesty is the best policy internally as well. We have a tendency to search for these external sources to blame, or we distort the memory with excuses. We litter our minds with things that are simply not true. And these things are hard to hear, but they are critical to hear and to understand. When we distort reality, we are doing ourselves a huge disservice. We are removing data, and that removal means that we cannot accurately determine a better approach. We cannot separate corrupted data from accurate data. That means that inevitably, we wind up right back where we started. So while in the moment, this distortion may feel freeing, it may feel like we're doing ourselves a service, it may feel like we are lifting a weight off of our shoulders by creating 
these excuses, blaming these external factors, we are failing to register all of the data that actually matters to be successful the next time around. That means that we end up putting ourselves in a cycle of torture, repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. Rather than registering the mistake and identifying what happened, asking ourselves, what was the catalyst for the mistake? If the truth is something such as our lack of ability to be assertive, then just that single data point, that single data point alone is critical. And if we blame these external factors, then how would we come to this conclusion? We don't. So rather than distorting reality and falsifying data, we need to learn to accept and ask ourselves the hard questions. We need to be honest with ourselves. Number five, process your failure. One of the most critical actions that we can take after a failure is the action of data extraction. Just as I discussed in my last point around data deletion, it's important that we process our failures, that we extract data to make the right maneuvering moving forward. Let's think about our attempts in the first place. They are based on data. They are based on information that we had at the moment, which led us to action. In the absence of certainty, we make an educated guess. Those educated guesses are possible because we had data. Whether or not there is a gap between those data points is irrelevant. As long as there is a close enough gap, we can make a connection, an educated assumption. When experiencing failure, the first place we normally go is to this protective mode, shielding us from the pain of failure. What we need to do is use those moments to evaluate, to process. This ensures that rather than sulking in the fact that we failed, we use that time to process and analyze. These are the moments that we realize the most eye-opening data. That is the key to facing the next challenge because now we are filling those gaps, which means we ultimately make better decisions, which continues to decrease the chance of failing next time. Number six, widen your perspective, leveraging stats. I'm sure almost all of you listening have watched some sort of major sport in your life. What I always found interesting about sports is the amount of data that they collect, the stats that they collect on athletes. And some of these stats historically have landed on things like sports cards, video games, and other mediums. Well, you and I, we have those stats too. Now, I'm not talking about our batting average or how many touchdowns we've thrown or how many interceptions we've thrown or how many games we've lost. What I'm talking about is the stats of our attempts. See, these stats allow us to shift our perspective more easily. For example, Michael Jordan is famous for saying, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. 
I've lost almost 300 games, and that is why I succeed. In other words, Michael Jordan failed essentially 70% of the time. That's a big percentage. But what's more interesting here is two pieces. 30% of the time, he was successful. That means to hit success 30% of the time, he had to fail 70% of the time. This really helps to shift our perspective around how many times we fail before we experience success. Now, of course, this is just one example, and the percentage of success varies for each of us, but the fact is, failure is more common than success. By understanding this formula, we become less surprised when we fail. This allows us to move faster without holding on to the fact that we failed in the first place. Number seven, bounce back quickly. This is the most critical building block beside failure. Our ability to get back up after we fail. Our ability to rebound. The average child falls 38 times a day. That's up until around the age of four. That's almost 14,000 times a year. And guess what? Each of you listening is now walking. When we learn to rebound, we learn our true capabilities. It's during these deep struggles that we learn what our minds are truly capable of. Most of the time, these efforts are things that we once thought were impossible. It's not until we face these moments that we are put in a position to survive. And when we are in this survival mode, our minds and bodies do things that we didn't think they were capable of doing. This allows us to ask ourselves, if I'm capable of this, what else am I capable of? This starts to open up our eyes to endless possibilities. It starts to spark greater curiosity. And that curiosity leads us down a path of greater effort. What's so fascinating is that effort is exerted in areas we never knew existed prior. This ultimately means we have an opportunity to find new passions greater purpose, new hobbies, and on and on. It means that when we are traveling down these new paths, when we face new challenges, we pause for a moment and we say to ourselves, I was able to do this before. I'm confident as hell I can face this. And if we ultimately face that new challenge and fail, well, then it's back into survival mode. Number eight, start using the right words. I've said it before, the words we use matter, externally and internally. This goes for how we talk about our failures. When we talk about these failures, we get to decide the terms we use. And those terms decide how we move forward. These phrases, or the way we describe our experience through failure, has a lasting impact on the way we approach the next challenge. For example, if I were to describe my failures to someone, I would use terms such as detour rather than phrasing failure 
as a dead end. These terms allow us to fail forward rather than failing and coming to a complete halt. These words, they have power. When we dwell on the pain of failure and continually harp on that aspect of failure, we are perpetuating life's greatest problems. The idea is to shift this. Instead, we need to reframe this thinking. We need to reframe the words we use. We need to talk about the learnings from failure, what we took away from failure. This ensures that we are perpetuating the growth that we and the rest of the world want to see. Number nine, share your failures. The most powerful thing that we can do is share our failures with others. This serves two very important purposes. One, it allows us to normalize failing. The more we share our struggles, our vulnerabilities, the more those around us understand that they are not alone. And in these moments, we find that others may share how they navigated those turbulent waters. And two, when sharing these failures, if we use the right words and express all that we've learned, we are now imprinting this thinking and perspective in our mind long term. As the famous saying goes, if you want to learn something, read about it. If you want to understand something, write about it. If you want to master something, teach it. Failure finds us all. Sometimes sharing our stories with others allows us to identify things we missed before. Articulating things out loud has a funny way of doing that. When these thoughts are floating around in our mind, they tend to get cluttered amongst all the other noise. Pulling those things out of our mind and verbalizing them helps to decipher their message. People appreciate that humility. They feel like they too have permission to fail. We need to normalize failing. I'll leave you with this. Thomas Edison created 10,000 failed prototypes of his electric bulb before succeeding. And his response was, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Go out and find your 10,000 ways because it will ultimately lead you to one beautiful way. Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed my deep dive into what you need to do if you fail like a failure. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the motivated underscore mind and on Facebook at the motivated mind podcast. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all and thanks so much for listening. The Motivated Mind is a Legacy Division.